Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. So yeah, I'm psyched for everything God's going to just do in us and through us this year. We launch into this new series. I think that in the hustle and uh, fact that life is so fast-paced, we often find ourselves caught up in the routine of religious practices without truly experiencing the transformative power of God in our life. So through this series, In Us and Through Us, I want us to rediscover the call that God wants for us and that he wants to do something great in us before he wants to do something great through us. He desires an intimate relationship with you. And I know you've heard it, and I know you want it, but are we experiencing it? And he wants that with you before he commissions you to work. And I love the spiritual disciplines, but the spiritual disciplines we engage in, you might be psyched, that might be on the top of your priority list in your New Year's resolutions, but they're not just rituals, but they're avenues for God to mold us, to shape us, and to transform us into his image, vessels ready to display his glory and reflect his glory. So read with me on the screen and write this down if you're taking notes. God wants to do something great in us before he can do something great through us. But in that, he wants us, he wants to do something great in us so that he can do something great through us. We are born for this. And he wants us to pray. You know to pray. If you've shown up in church, we're not going to talk and gather without the encouragement and the motivation to help you engage in prayer. But why? Why does he want that from you? It's not so you can murmur a line of some biblical words you've learned, but we pray so that we can share our hearts with God. And my son, when I put him to bed at night or when he gets home from school, I want to hear from him. And, and as a four-year-old, you know, that is hard. Like, and what exactly happened at your school? So I'm learning to ask him better and better questions. But I am creatively and really trying to get good at asking him questions because he's my son. I love him. I want to hear about what he did and how he's doing. And if I am a sinful father, how much better is your perfect father wanting to hear from you, wanting to carry what it is that you're carrying, and he doesn't want you to do it alone. He wants to pray and connect with you. That's why we pray, not so that we can just get it done and then go on to the rest of our day. He wants us to read the word. Once again, we're not going to gather without the motivation and, and the encouragement to be in the word but it's not simply so that we can learn more Bible stories and facts, but it's so that you can hear the voice of the Father who loves you. He wants us in community. What we're doing right now, you're winning already in 2024 being at the first harbor here, but this is not just a social gathering or something to do or a place where you can meet nice people because Christians have good manners. This community is 
better than that. It's bigger than that. It's we gather together so we can be spiritually formed into the image of Christ. Like I said, I love the spiritual disciplines. I love books about the spiritual disciplines. Dallas Willard, he, he wrote so many things about how we can't be like God and Jesus Christ without the spiritual disciplines. I like them because they give me direction and purpose, and they're a guide for me and you on how we should arrange our days so that we can be like Jesus Christ. But are we actually being with Jesus Christ in the disciplines? Are we actually becoming like him or with the spiritual disciplines prayer, Bible reading, community, fasting, Sabbath, just to name a few, are those means becoming the end? Because it can't just end with the spiritual discipline itself. The motivation, the reason why God wants that out of us is not just to do it, but so that we can experience and behold the glory of the Father and then in turn be transformed by him. Are the means of the disciplines becoming the end to them? Are we praying just to pray? Are we reading just to read? Are we, are we gathering right now just to gather and we don't have the power of God and we're without the transformation into his image? Man, I can speak with passion and boldness on this because I run this risk and this is often how I live and this is not the way that Jesus has for us. Jesus would have spoken to the religious people. It says in Matthew, read with me on the screen. You cancel the word of God for your traditions. And then he goes on to call the religious people, you, you're hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, God, he wants you. He doesn't just want your works. Man, he wants you to engage in the practices that Jesus did. But that's so we can be with the Father who loves us. But the religious people, they did the things, but they didn't experience the love of God with the things they were doing. And therefore, if you're not experiencing the love of God, you're definitely not going to be sharing the love of God. And their faith went from being beautiful to burdensome. But we have encouragement from Christ because he calls us to a better way. He shows us a better way. And he calls us to himself. Check this out in Matthew Jesus would say in such a gentle way to you and I, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. Man, I think so often we read that, and it's just, man, I think of the psalm that says, as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you. When we see that, it's nourishing to our souls because we're like, I am burdened, but Jesus, you don't want to leave me there. You invite me to come to you. He says here, take my yoke upon you and you'll learn from me. I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. And if you, if you take my burden, you're going to find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is that? He's inviting you and I into relationship with him. And beyond that, not just relationship, because when Jesus is your Lord, you have relationship. But the strongest desire within you after that is fellowship now as children. He wants us to follow his teachings and his examples on how to be a child of God. In verse 28, he's addressing the fact that yes, life is full of burdens. So think about it. What are, what's, the, what's your burden? 
man, you know them. I know immediately your burden comes up. But just to name a few, stress and anxiety, workload and career pressure, financial strain, relationship challenges, health issues, social pressures, loss and grief. My papa died over the break and death is not the way things are supposed to be. That's why even when Lazarus died, even though Jesus knew he was going to raise him again, he wept because death is not the same way it's supposed to be. You've all at this point in your life experienced some sort of death and loss. And with that, this can be burdensome on our soul. There is technology overload. Man, we are like Paul in Romans 7. We want intimacy with God, but why do we just keep going to devices that aren't actually nourishing our soul? So yes, we all agree and we all see, we all have burdens in life. But Jesus wasn't just talking about these types of burdens. He's specifically speaking to people who are burdened by religious legalism and rituals of the time. Doing godly things without experiencing the blessing of communion with God. And maybe that's why when Brandon Manning says, he says, what the world finds unbelievable are Christians proclaiming God by name, yet denying them him with their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And you're like... I don't want to deny God with my lifestyle, but something's happening and I'm not actually being transformed by him. Where's the disconnect? Jesus says in verse 28, if you come to me, those burdens I listed off, if you come to me with those burdens, look at the text, what will you get? He invites us. He says, you will get rest. He's offering something that we must take. God is a God of free will. We, he says, you must take this yoke. You must connect yourself to me. A yoke would have been a a wooden beam harnessing two animals together, typically oxen, to share the workload. So look at that text again. Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you. You and I, let's share the workload together. The thing you've been trying to do on your own, I want to do it with you. I don't want you to do it alone. And you know what? The thing you're trying to do, maybe you need to stop doing and start doing what I am doing. That's what he means when he says, connect yourself to me. This would have made a lot of sense to the people that are hearing. Jesus is a good teacher. He's using illustration of their typical work at the time so that they can understand what he wants them to hear. You and I, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. Like, you're going to be yoked to something. You're going to be connected to something. Everyone is. Saved or unsaved. Following or not following. We're all disciples of something and becoming like something. Or someone. We're all worshiping something or someone. We're all yoked and connected. But the question is this. The question Jesus asks and wants is that we would be connected to him. He says, connect yourselves to me. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble. Your soul that's exhausted, that's worn out, you'll find rest for it. In verse 30, though, look, the yoke, it's still a yoke. I mean, there's still something placed upon us. There's still something that we must be connected to, and there is still a burden we must carry, even if it's with Jesus. But Jesus says, look, it's with me. It's light. It's not without trial. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross. 
You got to die to yourself. John would say, he must become greater. I must become less. But there's something within our design where that is right, that that is the way. That's how God has designed us. You see, following me, yoking yourself to me, your soul will be light. But in that, the easy yoke is this. Man, what is that easy way? It's not like, like the disciplines, man, prayer, community, Bible reading, worshiping. Man, they bless us for a time. But the easy yoke, the light burden, your soul feeling like it's free again and running in the path of the commands of God and actually being nourished and alive and saying, this is the joy of the Lord. That's only happening if within the disciplines, we're not compartmentalizing them to the moment itself. We're not just checking off the boxes, but no, I am actually attempting to be like Jesus and be with Jesus, not in just those moments, but in my entire life. That's the easy way. That's the free way that God wants for you. He wants us to be connected to him always, attached to him always. The yoke doesn't come off. It doesn't just be placed on in our Devo time and you version. No, that's where we actually attach ourselves. And maybe we become uh, uh, unattached, then we reattach, right? But we, it stays on us. He wants to remain connected to us, stick with me, live with me, so that I can do this with you, so that you can do the right things, do the things that are your deepest desires, not your strongest desires. You can think like me, even in a world that is full of chaos, Jesus wants us to be connected to him so that we can live as he lives. He is the North Star, but to be like him, we must do what he did with the same rhythms, with the same lifestyles, with the same practices. Now, I, I may have used this example in, in here before, but I've, if I have, I'll probably use it again in the future. But do you guys remember, anyone like a like 90s and 2000s basketball fan, NBA fan? Is anybody with me? Am I alone? <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, even if I'm not with you, I'm just going to like have your back right now, Jackson. So thank you, right? But like, do you remember, you guys remember when Allen Iverson got, he got benched for a game? Right? Or maybe, maybe just didn't start, right? And he was horrified about it. And it might have been for a playoff game. So he was a superstar, their best player. It was a big deal, Right? And what did he say in front of the entire world when he was offended about not starting the game because he missed a practice? What did he say? We're talking about practice. Over and over again, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. See, what Iverson, who never won a championship, even though he was one of the greatest players ever play, what he failed to understand in that moment is that Dallas Willard would articulate, if we could swing it back to the spiritual for a second, right? In order to be like Jesus on the spot, we need to live as he lived and do what he did when he was not on the spot. See, Allen Iverson, as talented as he was, as gifted as he was, 
He wasn't willing to be disciplined behind the scenes. He thought it was on the spot that was all that mattered when that is the opposite. That is simply untrue. It's what we do not on the spot that makes us perform with greatness on the spot. So look at your rhythms. Evaluate. Take stock of yourself. Take stock of your day. Who are you becoming by the things that you are doing? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. Like not the, the truth and matter of fact that there's one way to God in Jesus, but Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way and this is how you ought to live. There is a way to live. It's not whatever we think, whatever we want or what the latest trend is. No, Jesus, he said, this is how you live the fullest life and you can't follow Jesus unless you follow the lifestyle of Jesus. So what's that look like today? If we're really following Jesus, if I could challenge myself and challenge you for a moment. Man, if, and you know, I think so often when we say following Jesus today, what that looks like is really us, uh, we are Holy Spirit people. So I think so often we say I'm following Jesus when really you're being led and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, who is God? But in that, when the Spirit's leading you to pray or Jesus is going to pray, right? Remember, we're supposed to be following him, yoked to him, connected to him. Spirit's saying, let's go pray. Let's go talk. That thing that's, that's bumming you out, that's making your heart race, that's tearing you down, that, 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 that's bugging you out, that's getting you so distracted, that's keeping you just so absent, making you be not really present with the people you love. Let's go talk about it. Let me carry that with you. That's what the Spirit is saying, connect yourself to me, follow me, be yoked to me. But instead of doing that, we go and distract ourselves with binge-watching Outer Banks on Netflix. You guys are like, we don't watch Outer Banks. That is youth group, Jackson. This is the harbor, all right? All right? But beyond that, man, Holy Spirit says we're going to evangelize. And if I could say something a little controversial for a second, Spirit saying go to evangelize. But then I think sometimes we want to start and go to another Bible study. And Holy Spirit might be like, look, you've done 40 Bible studies. Why don't you start taking the things you learn, go out and share it with another person, and actually put into work the things that I'm learning? Maybe another Bible study is not what we need. Maybe we're just being spoon-fed and being gluttons of learning and learning, learning without ever actually working out what the Father has taught us. Christian, our first name was the way. It's not until Constantine's influence centuries after Jesus that we would be called Christians. We were called the way because there is a way to live and there's a way to be like Jesus. They saw that we lived as Jesus lived. And I know you're with me. I'm with me. Like I, like I said, I'm preaching with passion because I look back in 2023 and maybe I'm the one that is saying I'm doing the work of God without the anointing of God. I'm doing things for God without really beholding his glory. So I'm not condemning, I promise you with all my heart. I'm excited and I'm passionate because we're gonna awaken to the life that Jesus Christ has for us. You're with me, but why can't we walk in the way of Jesus? Why can't we be yoked to him? We want to be connected to him. 
John Mark Comer, he explains it's like this. It's because we have something called a war of loves, meaning that there's a civil war of desires within our chest. And I'm going to call you guys out so hard. You have a desire to be fit, but yet a lot of you guys have a desire to go to Culver's tonight after service. You guys should go. I'm just kidding. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. We want to wake up early and pray. Anyone have, anyone like, like waking up at five as a New Year's res? Amen, brother. Amen. That's crazy. Right? I have children. That's crazy. You know? Right? But you want to wake up early and pray, but you keep on falling asleep on your couch watching Netflix. That's for me. I don't know if that's for anyone else. We have this deep disease within us. It's the flesh. And with the flesh, that's these desires within us that are contrary to what the Spirit wants for you. But we need to be one with Christ. And we do this by living how Jesus lived. We need to be one with Christ, not divided. Check out in Psalms 27. Psalmist writes, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the one thing. Man, uh, in a monastery, and we find the word monastery because this is a place of retreat where we can free ourselves to dis- be from the distractions and the hurry of life so we can just simply be in an isolated place to encounter God and with a monastery. Mono meaning one. One thing I've desired of the Lord. This is the one thing I want. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life. I want to behold the beauty of the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it explains that when you and I, we behold the glory of the Lord, that we are transformed into his image. And that is a beautiful thing. That I believe we want. But there's so many distractions. I feel like my brain's going to rip from its head and my eyes are going to be ripped from their skull. We're so distracted. I'm so busy. And there's nothing holy or cool about it, yet we take pride in it. And that is of the enemy. We can't go about this. If I could talk about uh, 2020 and COVID. Guys, that was four years ago now. It doesn't feel like that long ago. And there were parts of it that were hard. My dad got really sick. And my dad told me COVID was fake, by the way. And he was the one that ended up sick in the hospital. But he's cool. He's okay. And I'm like, guess it's real, Dad, you know? I sound so spiteful with that. I was really bummed for him, actually. But I didn't, I didn't love that. That sucked, right? I didn't love that we didn't gather for church. That was hard. That was really hard on us. It was not a good thing. But there were some pros on a, on a personal and selfish level and that everything did stop. I had dinner every night on my porch with my wife. And that was really awesome. Like it was spring. And man, like we would put Spencer to bed and just like every night grilling. Like, man, man, I, I, you're laughing at me, bro. But dude, when, when I, I needed that, right? You know, it was so good. And every morning I was waking up with my son playing. Man, it was such a special time. I had so much time with my newborn son, Spencer. But a con. We had no sports, right? That was so hard. But we had the last dance. Anyone with me on that? You guys watched the last dance of Michael Jordan, right? And, and we had the Tiger King, you know? 
So you're like, Jackson, no wonder you're preaching to us. Maybe you need this, man, you know. But the hurry stopped. And I was able to sit in the presence of the Father. I learned what it meant to abide in him. But that's not, that's not the way of Jesus. Because you know what that was? Me and my house in isolation. It's not what we're born for. That is not our destiny. That is not why Jesus Christ came and died. So that we could be children of God and rose again for us. That wasn't the way. Jesus came so we could have fellowship with God and in that we can bless the relationships around us. The way of Jesus, when you walk in it, it will lead to your spiritual formation. Paul in Galatians, you can read with me on the screen, he says, my little children, he loved his church as if they were his own kids. He says, I labor, I labor until Christ is formed in you. In Romans 12, he would say it's so amazing. And it may be my most favorite uh, chapter in the whole Bible. He says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can discern the perfect will of God. Now, if we could talk for a moment and you can share your news resolution, New Year's resolutions, or you can just like throw out a general one. Anyone feeling vulnerable? Because, in fact, you, you might have greater chance of success if you speak it out loud in here. Because we're going to hold you accountable every Thursday. We're going to find you and check on you. What do you got, my brother? Amen. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Mine are all way more vain than that. So you win. Good job. Closer to God. No, I'm just kidding. That's no, beautiful. That's dope. For real. That's dope. Anyone over here? You guys got a res? You're like, I have them. I'm not sharing them. Yeah, anyone over here? Anyone going to help me over here? Throw, throw out some resolutions, gang. Get in shape. Okay, we're going to run with that one in a minute. You came out the gates a little too soon with what I wanted. That's what I wanted, okay? What do you got? Good, let's go. You're already pretty good, so that's pretty nice. Good job. Learn the guitar more. Good, what else? Anyone else? That's really good. That's really good. Well said, Jacob. You're like, Jackson, I was just helping you out. Let's move on. What do you got? You guys are holding him back from encountering the father in the morning, okay? Yeah, what do you got? Did you read mine? I want to stop being lazy too, man. Okay. Getting in shape. Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, I like, the, a lot of you guys are out in resolutions. I like them. I like the new year. It's a time to restart. It's time to recalibrate. Um, 2023 was a rough year for me, though, with the diet, you know? Like, I'm a dad now, and I'm working on my father figure. Have you guys heard of this, you know? And uh, <laughs> I'm shocked. Run day 11. I've been eating good. I worked out every day. I've logged, I logged 12 miles already this year. Can I get amen, somebody, you know? Running, all right, not on a bike. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm just shocked how 11 days of clean eating won't make up for a year of really bad eating. You know what I'm saying? So I'm really disappointed with those lack of results, right? But let's swing back to Romans 12 for a moment. Man, we're talking about habits. We're talking about rituals. We're talking about disciplines. 
We're talking about who are we becoming by the things we're doing. Not just compartmentalizing the spiritual discipline specifically into the time that we're doing it, but letting that time encapsulate our entire life. In Romans 12, we see that formation is happening whether you want it to or not. Everyone's experiencing formation, but as we know, unless we're intentional with it, it will not be positive. You're either being transformed in the image of God or you're being conformed into the ways of the world and the things that your flesh wants. But we're born to worship, we're born to know God, or we're born to walk with God, and we're born to be with God. Who we're becoming, who we're becoming is more important to God than what we're doing, but it's by what we do that we become the children of God that we're called to be. So who are we becoming? See, man, we have these four posters on the wall. Please look at them on the way out, right? And they're things that are valuable to me for you as a Christ follower, right? I totally shouldn't have said that because everyone's like, what posters? It's like they've been there for years. Just notice them on the way out, okay, on your way out the doors tonight. But man, one thing that I always talk about is God's direction in your life, meaning that I believe that every single one of you have a God-given gifting from God. And when you're in that and you're operating in that, when you're doing what God designed you to do, that your soul will be thrilled with a sense of destiny. You're all gifted. And that is a beautiful thing. But here is the truth. Yes, your career matters. What you do does matter. But you can't put the cart before the horse. Check this out. God wants to do something great in us before he can do something great through us. He wants to do something great through you. Please read with me on the screen. But he first wants to have that intimacy with you. So, man, I'm telling you, you have a direction. I'm telling you're gifted. I'm telling you that there's something that has been placed within you that's going to be amazing. But there is great risk of doing things for God without walking with them. Please read me on the screen. Our giftings are going to take us places that our character can't sustain us. If you're doing things for God without walking with him, then your giftings are going to take you places that your character can't sustain you. This is from John Tyson. He said, Ravi Zacharias, a hero of mine, I would study him. Apologetics, learning how to defend my faith, but he was somebody who ended up discrediting, discrediting the faith by his private, adulterous lifestyle. Mark Driscoll Man, I was never a Driscoll guy, if I could go on the record and say that. I was like, you don't know, no, I'm not. I hope he does well. I appreciate you. I appreciate, is that Roby? Dude, Roby. I told you that in Haiti, bro, a long time ago. I was like, I'm not, you remember. All right, cool. I was there before everybody was, right? No. But here's the deal. I thought he was kind of mean, right? I'm like, I don't know. I'm more of a Francis Chan guy. Nice fella. Nice guy. But, uh, man, he transformed Seattle, Washington. Man, the most unreached city in America. But he actually was kind of prideful and arrogant and verbally abused people. And in that, he is yelling at men. He was helping the men become men, telling them to take responsibility. But then he bailed on Mars Hill, the church. Carl Lentz, man, I remember meeting Carl Lentz in Miami one time. I was at a conference, and it was during a meet and greet. He was about to teach. He said, everyone, like, you know, shake hands with your neighbor. And he reached down. He shook my hand. And uh, I looked up to him so much. And this was probably like six or seven, eight years ago. I was a brand new pastor, probably not even a year yet. 
And, and I had this, this magic hat on, this Orlando magic hat. And he said to me, man, that is a cool hat, you know. And from then on, that was my lucky hat, right? It's like, Carl thinks I have a cool hat. Like, that's pretty cool, you know. But he reached celebrities for Jesus. He was tearing it up in New York City, right? But in that, he became famous for his sin, cheating on his wife. Man, and Carl's turning it around, praise the Lord right? Mark, I believe he's turning it around too. Praise God, right? I mean, I never faced the temptation or pressure that any of these men have faced, so I can't judge them, right? But in that, the point is true, is that if we're not walking in fellowship with God, if we're doing things for God, the risk is that we're going to go places that our giftings will take us where our character will not sustain us. Man, I say this with grace and humility. I've led over 10 mission trips. I need to take account. Man, I've probably taught at this point in my life hundreds of teachings. And you're like, I thought this guy was brand new based off how he talks, right? But no, I've been doing this a little while now. And it was humbling. I had Josh Walker teach youth group the other week. And I was thinking to myself, it it took me like 50 teachings to even like barely get close. Josh, where are you at? I mean, it was a really good, good job, man. It was great. It was a great teaching, man. I believe God's calling is hugely on your life for teaching, man, right? But in that, man, I've led these trips. I've taught these teachings. I've run conferences that over a thousand people were at with these very big names with big music artists. And I was like, God, how did I get to be a part of that? But here's where I'm going with that. It's not to make me look cool. It's to point out that whether it's you or me, God doesn't care. And it doesn't matter if we're not enjoying God. Man, he wants to be enjoyed by you. That's where freedom lies. Our hearts and, and spirits, read with me on the screen, they can be anointed, but our soul can be deformed and far from God. You're gifted. You already are. I just pray that you would discover as a temple of the Holy Spirit, you would let him set you on fire so that you can further the kingdom of God that but only happens when we're walking in intimacy with him. We can be an anointed person, gifted person, but our soul can be deformed and far from God and therefore we can throw off the anointing. In Matthew, Jesus would say, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? I mean, this is Jesus describing a person that's standing before him asking, why am I not getting into eternity with you? And Jesus saying that if you're actually not walking in a real relationship with him, you did all these things for me. But verse 23, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Man, that's a verse if you've grown up in church, you've always thought about and wondered about what is going on here. And my point in bringing that up is not to freak you out about your salvation. If I could reassure you of your salvation of a moment, it's a promise from God in Romans 10 that if you declare Christ as your Lord, you will be saved. But being Jesus as Lord, meaning he's the master of your life, he calls the shots. Now, I'm not trying to freak you out about your salvation, but my question is this, are you and I actually beholding the glory of the Lord? Because it's not that 
just doesn't want you. It's not that the Father doesn't want you, and it's not that the Spirit doesn't want to empower you. Jesus would say in John 15, 13, there's no greater love than this than a man who lays down his life for his friends. Then what did he go and do? He went and died for them, meaning, and I tell this to you regularly, there's no greater way. Receive this for yourself. Receive this as God speaking to you. There's no greater way that God could love you any more than he does right now because he already died for you. That's how bad he wants you. That's how bad you're wanted and loved by God. In spite, in spite of you not receiving some parenting from your earthly parents you deserved. In spite of maybe coming from a home that was divorced. In spite of maybe some thing that someone spoke of you, over you. That wasn't true, but it did become attached to you. That's not who you are. That's not true. We need to say, God, I'm removing that. And I'm receiving what you say, and I know that you love me and you want me, and you already proved it for me on the cross. Can I get an amen, somebody? See, God, he's not this carrot on a stick that he wants us to never reach. And I think you're with me. I think you want to present your bodies to God as a living sacrifice. I think you're with me. I know you are. I know you. But in that, we need to build ourselves up. We are altars of God. We are temples of him himself. So that's why in this series, in us, through us, we're going to do that. I can show you an overview of where we're going. Because look, if you guys, yeah, there you go. Thank you. Man, the harbor. Man, it says that the, it's the, the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I believe in my time with you, this is an extremely kind community. And my experience is very kind. People are going to know the Lord here. And I believe it's the love of God that compels us. I believe this is a very loving community. But I think that you and I, we need for ourselves to be walking in intimacy with the Father so that he can do the great things through us that he wants us to do. And this is where we're going over the next many weeks. Because, man, we have goals, we have dreams, we have desires, we have big things we're going to do as the harbor. But it's not until we're walking in fellowship with God because then we'll be working with God without uh, his spirit moving in us. And that can lead to danger for ourselves and those around us. You and I, we can be two types of people. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me, we can have a form of godliness, but we can deny the power of God. I don't want that. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for you. I don't want to have a form of godliness, but deny his power. Man, I want to be godly and I want to be righteous. And I already am. You and I, if Jesus is our Lord, we are the righteousness of Christ. We are right with God, not because of our own good works, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are his children. We are righteous. But in that, I don't want us to have a form of godliness and not move in the power of God that saves people. I want us to be like the disciples, Peter and John. It's saying that when they encountered people, it was very obvious. In fact, people marveled that in spite of their education, they realized that last part is so good that they had been with Jesus. That's going to be who we are. Because I believe that God's going to do something so great in us that he's going to move powerfully through us. But we want to get that order of operations 
correct. See, in this, we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We're going to follow him and we're going to become like him. But in our discipleship, there is a through us that will follow. Because if discipleship is not leading to evangelism, we have to ask ourselves if we're actually being discipled. So here's where we're going. Put up that last slide for me on the screen. We're, we're going to take our time. We're going to build up to this. We're going to work through this, right? We're going to obey it immediately, but I believe the formation is going to continue to happen. Man, I run something on Fridays, right? It's called the Refuge After School Ministry. And over 100 kids come over from Medellin on a Friday. Medellin Elementary precious kids and credible kids, but coming from such hard and broken homes, abusive homes, and they get to come here as a place of rest and Sabbath to find encouragement and love from us, and it's crazy, and it's hard, and I'll have over a hundred kids here and maybe four adults sometimes, which is crazy. That's not right. That's wrong. That's not the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. We together are called to go out and help these people. And they're in this building you're sitting in right now, 50 yards that way in the basketball court with me. And I want to, with you, as God moves in us, I want to mobilize you for the work of the ministry. Because that's why we gather. It's for your spiritual formation, but so that you can be equipped for the work of the ministry. So listen, it's Fridays, right? Man, and the, when the Medellin kids come on a Friday, it's from 1.15 to 6. And when the Central Middle School kids come on a Friday, it's from 3.30 to 6.30. And look, you might be like, man, that's hard with work. Man, I'll, I'll take what I can get from you. If you got to get off at 5, come hang with me for 30 minutes, right? If you're a student, a lot of you guys don't have school on Friday, right? Half of you guys are engineers in here, and you got every other Friday off, right? So I know you can come. You need to do it, all right? It's one of the things we do, and I promise you, I'm there every Friday. I won't throw you to the wolves. I will set you up for success. I'll make you and help you become a person that doesn't just read and hear about the idea of telling someone else about Jesus. You'll actually do it, and it'll be amazing. It'll be beautiful. These kids are special and radical, and we need to save them and redeem them. I've heard it been said by Ronald Rollheiser that it's much easier to prevent damage in a young boy than it is to repair and heal a grown and broken man. Let's win these kids for the Lord now. And that's where revival is going to come. That's one of the things we're doing. I do this every Friday. And I'm not inviting you every Friday. We're going to have a clear plan of attack. Five times in 2024, you're going to come with me. Man, what could that look like? That could look like you being up here for five minutes, just sharing a Devo with them. And they're good kids, right? Like the middle school kids are kind of hard, right? But you can do this. You know, the meddling kids, they're, they're precious, precious people, right? And I might um, have you pray before we start. Or I might have you go out and run five on five basketball. Or I might have you take them outside and play flag football with them, right? And God's going to open doors there. And I'm not just going to have you hold a door, Right? I'm, go I'm going to actually utilize you and make good use of your time because these kids are too important. Their salvation, their eternity is too important for me to waste their time and your time. I'm not inviting you 52 Fridays this year. Five times we're going to go out and do this and make the most of this, okay? But beyond that, man, once a month, because our discipleship, it ought to overflow in evangelism. It ought to overflow in us actually sharing our faith because if it's not happening, then is it discipleship? So in that, 
once a month, we're going to invite our friends who aren't in community. You're here. You're in community. This is awesome. I'm glad you're here. But man, if you're being a recipient of grace here, if you're being blessed by being here, then you ought to share that with other people. Right? We ought to share that. So you might have a friend, like they're, 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 um, they believe in the way of Jesus, and they're just not in community. You're like, hey, come in. Come on. Just come with me. Once a month, we're going to be really intentional with that. Right? Because if I, if I tell you every, every, every Thursday, do it, it could become deaf on your ears a little bit. But I believe if 12 times this year, we're intentionally saying, it's connect night. It's connect night. I mean, how many friends do you know that grew up in youth group that aren't in church anymore? I believe it's many, right? So once a month, we're gonna be doing that. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.